Welcome to All Ears, the official podcast of the Cedar Rapids Colonels, High A affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. I'm your host, Chris Kleinon Schultz, the voice of the Cedar Rapids Colonels. On this podcast, I will interview past and present Cedar Rapids baseball influencers, including players, managers, and executives. Former Cedar Rapids Colonels pitcher and current Minnesota twin Randy Dobnak. Thank you so much for joining us on All Ears, the official podcast of the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hanging in there like we've all been over the last several months. And certainly, I'm sure like you, looking forward to what the 2021 baseball season has in store for all of us. Yeah, I'm hoping it's a little bit more normal than last year's. I miss having the fans in the stands and my wife in the stands and stuff like that. It's just It's different not having fans out there. I think that sets up a good transition into just the way this past season was. And you talked a little bit about fans already. How big is their presence, not just in terms of kind of that sound and that audio backdrop they provide, but also just having a physical presence in the stands as well compared to, say, a lot of these places where you're just pitching with cutouts behind home plate? <laughs> yeah, having the fans in the stands, it just creates like a kind of an adrenaline rush. You know, if, even if they're like yelling or booming at you, if they're cheering for you, you know, it's always just that all the energy kind of comes towards you. You know, you get a little bit more amped up for each pitch, or I guess if you're a hitter or whatnot, you get a little, a little more amped up for those things. Um, but when I played indie ball in 2017, we actually had we had a game on either Tuesday or Wednesday with no fans. So th- that part I was kind of used to, but I mean, it's a little different with the indie ball stadium that holds about five, six thousand in an MLB stadium that has you know 40 plus. But it's definitely a strange time. And naturally not having fans had to be bittersweet in one way because arguably your best game of the past season was back in your home area, pitching in Pittsburgh at PNC, having a great game. But of course, not having what would have been dozens, if not hundreds, or maybe even thousands of people that knew you in the ballpark. Just what was that experience like for you? One, the angle of not having the kind of people you would normally have at the game for you there, but also just having a great performance in the ballpark you went to so much as a fan growing up. Yeah, I mean, my whole entire childhood, I grew up going to uh, Pittsburgh Pirate games. You know, I was 20 minutes from the field. Every summer, I spent all my money there that I made, you know, doing whatever. And then uh, just to have the opportunity to get the picture, just, you know, really just humbling. You know, it's really exciting for me and my family, you know, all my friends and stuff growing up. We go to games and joke around, be like, you know, how cool would that be, you know, to pitch out there on a the mound, especially the one at PNC Park. And, you know, that dream came true for me. Um, and like you said, I had a pretty good game that day. Um it sucks that we can have fans stuff there, but I had hundreds of people, you know, reach out to me via text or, you know, Instagram, social media, DMs. Um, people called me, former teachers, you know, friends from high school. You know, if we could have had fans, it probably would have been at least, you know, 100, 200 people there that I, I guess probably more than that that I would have known. Um, it would have been like a whole entire section just cheering for me. So that, w- that would have been pretty cool. But hopefully the opportunity comes up again, you know, in the near future and we'll see what happens. As someone who's been to a handful of major league ballparks, but never to PNC or three rivers before it, you know, what from your experiences would be a good way to describe just how unique those stadiums are? Yeah, I actually went to the very last game at three or three rivers. And I went to the very first game at PNC park. Um, I don't really remember much of the experience. You know, I think I was, I guess it would have been five or six at the time. Um, but we have pictures from it. It's just kind of unique. Uh, growing up, my family, we'd always go to opening day at PNC Park every year. And that happened every year until I went to college. And then, you know, I couldn't really get away from 
college baseball to go see, you know, opening day or whatnot. Um, just the opportunity to go out there and pitch is awesome. Um, but PNC Park is just, it's beautiful. There's not really a bad seat in the house. You know, if you sit behind the plate, you have the whole entire backdrop of the city. If you sit in the left field bleachers, which where I normally sat because they're always cheaper, you can still see this way. You can see the whole entire city. Um, and just everywhere you go, there's always a great view. You know, sit in the outfield. You can sit wherever you want to sit. It always had, always had a great view um, of the field, the stadium, and just the whole, down, whole entire downtown area that I grew up in. So it's just really – it's an awesome place. And, of course, you get the sea shanties and other jingles on the organ, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, you have this winding road into pro ball. You pitched collegiately at Alderson Broadus University in West Virginia. Then you end up with the Utica Unicorns of the United Shore Professional Baseball League. And you kind of touched a little bit on it earlier with the fan situation that you had for those early week games. But how unique was that USPBL experience to start your pro career? Well, the other reason I got into that league is because the coach, Jim Essien, former big leaguer for a long time, former, you know, um, manager for a while. Uh, I played with his son my first year of college, Dan. He was our catcher. Um, that's one of our conference tournaments. Our, uh, I think it was my freshman year. We were all at the dinner, and he was like, I want you to come play for me after you graduate. And at the time, I was like, all right, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> and then so, so on and so forth, the draft came around after I graduated. Nothing happened. And then that same day, he called me up and said, and we got a spot for you. And the next day I left and went up there. But the USPBL is pretty awesome. I mean, they sell out every single game that they can, except for the obviously the one or two games during the midweeks. Um, but they sell out five, 6,000 every game. They have fireworks. They have live bands. Um, a lot of interactions with the fans, which I thought was a pretty cool part. Because where I went to school at Alderson Broadus, we didn't really have a lot of fans. It was in the middle of mountaintop in the middle of West Virginia. So most of it was, you know, friends and family and students and that was about it but getting my chance to play in front of a lot of fans is pretty exciting you know like I said before they bring all the energy to the game um I mean up there it's like there's a, there was only four teams we all played the same stadium so I'm not really sure if each team had their own specific fans or if it was just, just a bunch of baseball people and people going out there cheering for just to watch the guys play but my experience my time there was pretty awesome I was there for about a month month and a half or so and I had a great time. All the guys, everybody that goes there, you know, they're always just like, you know, they're chasing a dream just like I was. And, you know, my dream came true. And some, for some of those guys, things didn't happen the way they wanted them to. Or some of them are still out there playing, got signed, playing um, affiliated ball and stuff like that. So it was a great time. What do you remember about kind of the end of your time there and how the Twins were able to reach out and ultimately sign you to be a part of the organization? My last start there, I actually ended up throwing a complete game uh, I think I gave up – I think it was two runs. I think there, one of them was a home run. They might have been both. I'm not sure. But the whole game, I was just – you know, I was in control. That's how I've always been. I mean, I, I like to throw lots of strikes. And I, don't like, I hate walking people. So, if I walk somebody, you might see me get a little upset with myself. But they, they had never reached out to me. I had never heard of anybody from the Twins talking about me, talking to me or talking to coaches or anything like that. Um, even in college, I had some teams reach out to me, but it was never the Twins. And then I think – Either the next day after that start or the day after that, I got a random random phone call from some random number in the morning at my apartment. And I always answer random numbers just because you never know. And sure enough, it was Brad Stiles from the Twins, who was a former director. Um, I can't remember what he does now with the Twins. I think he's still in the organization, though. And long story short, he was like, yeah, we, we love what you do. We, we want to sign you. And the scout that signed me, Billy Milos, 
Um, he works primarily primarily with indie ball leagues, um, the Frontier League, the USPBL. That we they signed a lot of guys out of the USPBL, but he saw me. I think he saw videos on YouTube of me pitching. Never never came and saw me in person. I guess he called people that worked there and like I guess they gave him the backstory of me and you know how my how I am with my character and all that stuff. But you know, I after that phone call, I uh, walked into the living room with my three roommates. I was like, "Well, guys, I'm not I'm no longer playing with you guys." <laughs> I sound <laughs> twins, and they're like, "What?" And they all get pretty excited. My wife was well, my fiance at the time was supposed to fly out. She was getting on a plane. She like the plane was boarding when I called her. I Facetimed her. I said, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "About to get on the plane." I was like, "Okay, well, when you get here." We're going to cancel your flight home because we're going to drive you home because I have to go to Elizabeth in Tennessee. She's like, what? I was like, yep, yeah, because I got stopped by the Twins, and that's where the rookie ball league's at. So she flew in, and we ended up driving home. I dropped her off to her dad, and I continued going south. It was just a really fun experience. Cedar Rapids Colonels at the Good Times Road. Get the MILB First Pitch app for iPhone and Android, the official app of Minor League Baseball and the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Set the Colonels as your favorite team, and you can order tickets, see upcoming promotions, and get the latest team news. Plus, get stats, scores, and watch all Colonels home games and select road games with an MILB TV subscription. Download the First Pitch app today, the official app of Minor League Baseball and the Colonels. Follow the Colonels on our social media platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Hey, hey, Colonels, let the good times roll. Cedar Rapids Colonels, let the good times roll. You go from Elizabethton and ultimately, of course, get to the big leagues from there. In the interim, you were with Cedar Rapids longer than I think any other minor league affiliate. A little bit at the end of 2017 and then all of that 2018 series. Just what do you remember most about your Cedar Rapids Colonels experience? Well, my first experience was in 2017, like you said, when I got called up um, from E-Town. I think after like a month or so, I, I made one start and then uh, the playoffs started. But my first experience was actually walking through the tunnel. Um, I, I got there during the game, obviously, so I changed my uniform and walked up and out of the tunnel. And that was like my first experience playing like a bigger stadium like that. So at first I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I cannot remember who was pitching but I think it was some dude was throwing like 95, 96, just like slinging gas. And Royce was at, Lewis, Royce Lewis is up the bat. And, you know, he would just been the first overall pick that year. Um, so a lot of hype around him. And I got to see him play. The first thing I saw was that dude was coming out slinging, you know, mid to high 90s. And Royce turns around, puts a triple in the gap. And I was like, I guess this kid's pretty good. <laughs> but overall, I mean, I, I enjoy my time there. Like I said, I was, I was there for like basically a full season plus a month or so. That's probably more than half of where I was all the other places. My time there was awesome. I mean, everybody I met was always good good people, um, teammates, coaches, staff. They're all all working together to help guys get to the next level, and they weren't biased towards anybody. So they have they had Royce Lewis, number one prospect or number one overall draft pick. And then they had me, some indie ball, right-handed guy wearing glasses, going out there and pitching looks, looks like he's a homeless guy or something like that. 
Um, but they worked with me just the way they worked with him. And I think a lot of the staff that was there when I was there, they've also moved up the ranks and that's just based on, you know, their character, you know, they work with everybody from A to Z um, the best they can to help improve them and, Things worked out for me and things worked out for them. For staff, you had Tommy Watkins as a manager and J.P. Martinez as a pitching coach for that little bit of 2017. You had Toby Gardner higher managing in 2018. And that was the first year where the Twins were experimenting with having multiple pitching coaches. So you had Sidney Bayo and Justin Willard for that 18 team. You know, I'm sure all had an impact in some way, but was there one of those five that really stuck out in terms of someone who really helped you in terms of your pitching and your mindset and helping you eventually move all the way up to the big leagues? Yeah, uh, just well, I mean, they all played a big factor in it. But I think the main one was probably Justin Justin Willard. He's the one that kind of showed, like, he was an analytical guy. And when I first got there, I wasn't really a big fan of all that stuff because they basically told me that all pitches were, like, below average. But I was like, I'm going out there, I'm throwing seven innings a game, getting outs and winning a ball game. So I don't know what the deal is. But he actually ended up showing me the one-seam sinker grip that I throw now. Uh, like, towards the end of 2018, he showed me in a bullpen one time. And I, I played catch with it a little bit. And then I threw it in a bullpen. And then like a week and a half later, I was throwing it in games. And at the time it was okay, but I kind of just kept working with it. And he would give me feedback on the, the rap sodas and all that stuff. So I kind of just took that with it and ran with it. And it's gotten better and better since. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I received the call in 2019 to go up to the big leagues. In that 2018 season, what really stands out, whether it was games that you pitched or just other games that you were there for in terms of memorable moments from that season? My favorite part was when uh, I think it was 2018, we made the playoffs and we ended up having a doubleheader game and I got to throw, I think I threw the first game. It was like, if we lost, we would have played the second game. If we won, it was over. I got to throw the first game. I actually ended up throwing my very first shutout. <laughs> uh, it was a seven, seven inning shutout, obviously, but I thought it was funny because the whole season, you know, I'm always trying to go out there and throw shutouts and I have every game with like one run randomly happens. Um, and I finally got my, my first shutout. And of course, it doesn't really count because it's the postseason rather than the regular season. But yeah, that, the team that year was just, they were awesome. Everybody was awesome. Uh, they all worked together. Unfortunately, we didn't win the whole thing, but I thought we had a really good chance. And you kept the first round streak going. The Colonels have been consistently at least getting to that semifinal level. And of course, with that shutout to finish the opening series, you were a big part of that. And then all of a sudden 2019 happens and you start from Fort Myers and you end up going to Minnesota. Do you have to pinch yourself thinking back and just thinking how crazy a move that was to go from high A to the majors in one year? Yeah, it was absolutely insane. My, my wife still doesn't, she doesn't really understand what's happening. She'll like, we'll be sitting here randomly on the couch and she'll be like, do you realize that like you're in the big leagues? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here. I just throw the baseball. <laughs> they make the decisions. But yeah, 2019 was wild. When I first got to Fort Myers, or for uh, spring training, I told my wife, I was like, you know, I'm just trying to break camp, hopefully with Fort Myers. Hopefully I don't start to see Rapids again like I did. Because I figured the whole, the kind of the way it works is like you play, you know, low A for a season, high A for a season, double A for a season, move up slowly. So that was kind of my plan going into the, going into spring training. And sure enough, I broke camp with uh, Fort Myers in my first month there in April. I threw it pretty well. And my wife was like, planning on coming down. I was like, yeah, I mean, I figure I'll probably be here the whole year. So you can come down whenever you want and all that stuff. And then after after a month, I got sent to Pensacola. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I got to Pensacola. I actually went there. I went to Pensacola Stadium. I forget how many years prior, but me and my pap went to Florida and we actually went to a game there. And I thought that stadium was pretty awesome. So when I found out that the AA affiliate with the Twins was Pensacola last year or 2019, I was like, man, that'd be awesome to play there because I remember the whole atmosphere there. They have great fans, great crowd great stadium and it's right on the water you know Pensacola's great 
so I got sent there. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then about another month in, um, we were on the road, and I think Tennessee Smokies, I can't remember where that's at, but we were on the road for like a two-day road trip or something like that. And So I packed lightly, and then after the first game, that night I got the call in the hotel room. It was like, they were sending me to AAA for like one start. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I told my parents, like, I don't really know if it's permanent or if it's just like a spot start. And it was originally supposed to be a spot start because somebody got hurt. And then somebody else got hurt. I ended up being in AAA for about almost a month with two pair, like two outfits the whole time. So I'm doing laundry every <laughs> other day. And these guys are like, this guy owns no clothes. He's wearing the same stuff. He's dirty and all this stuff. <laughs> but uh, actually, Jay Greed offered me some clothes. But I said no because my wife and her mom actually went and picked up some clothes from like the local Gabe's thrift store or something like that. And they shipped it in a box to me. And the clothes ended up getting there the same day that I got sent back down to double A um, because the guy, that, the guys that got hurt were coming back. So I ended up going back down to double A for, I forget, like a month or two. And then I got promoted again for real this time, the triple A. And I was there probably for about a month and I was starting pretty well, but I wasn't really striking a lot of people out. I was just kind of getting ground balls, getting outs, going deep into games. And that was kind of my game plan the whole time. Not really a big strikeout person. Uh, I look for like the weak contact, early contact, so I can go deeper into games. I received the call. Oh, I didn't get to call the uh, skip. Called me into the office. I was sitting on the couch, and like the whole day, I had like a weird feeling in my stomach because I'd seen guys get um, get called up for the first time and kind of seeing like what had happened the day before in the big leagues. You know, reliever goes five plus innings, and so they're gonna send him back down, call up an arm. I was like, I have I hadn't pitched in like a week and a half. I had like a weird, weird feeling in my stomach the whole day. And then he calls me into his office. He's like, congrats, you're going to the big leagues. I was like, oh, shit, really? <laughs> <laughs> then I walked back out into the clubhouse and they announced it to everybody. And that was just a really cool moment for me. And I guess for some of the guys that, I'd, you know, I'd known for like the last two years playing with them, um, they were excited for me because, you know, everybody's rooting for everybody to get called up, you know, because, you know, if you're against guys being good. I mean, you shouldn't really be there. So if you're not cheer for your teammates and whatnot, that's not a good thing. I ended up, I called my mom, called my dad, called my wife. My wife didn't answer. She was babysitting. And then when I, whenever I did get through to her, she was babysitting like three kids. She was just FaceTiming me like this on her phone. I was like, I was like, what are you doing? She's like babysitting. I was like, oh, we need to book a flight to Minnesota or Minneapolis tomorrow. She goes, what? I was like, yeah, I don't know. They called me up. <laughs> so... They, I guess they all went into panic mode trying to figure out logistics and stuff like that. And they were going to drive out originally, but then they ended up flying out. I didn't get in the first day, but I got, I got in the second day. And she was there. Her parents were there. My parents were there and my agent was there. So that was just a pretty cool moment for all of us to, you know, realize like a lifelong goal of mine and a goal of ours really came true and kind of just kept going from there. So it was pretty, pretty crazy year to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, to put it mildly. So your debut is August 9th, 2019, four shutout innings in relief against Cleveland. You know, what do you remember about your performance of that game? And I'm sure you had to be feeling, thinking afterwards that, you know, whether it was going to be kind of a spot appearance for that one time, you had to think like, you know, you've got a future at this pitching at the big league level, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I always knew in the back of my mind that I had a chance to do it and Going up there, getting the chance to face the Indians lineup at that time was, I mean, they're a pretty hot team. So everybody one through nine in the lineup would swing it. And I cannot remember, but I'm pretty sure the first hit I gave up was to Frankie Lindor. <laughs> and I ended up giving up all six of the hits for singles, which is kind of my game too. I don't really like to give up. I don't really give up a lot of extra base hits. Most of the hits I give up are like 
single just because I, I get a lot of ground balls. I'll find holes here and there. But one of the at-bats, well, the first at-bat, obviously, I think my first pitch was like 95 down and in, which was like, I think my I maxed out at 96 that year. So I guess a little bit of adrenaline was going. It was like a sellout crowd on like a Friday night against the Indians in a, a pennant chase. So I think we had, I think it was like 35,000 or something like that. So when I came out of the bullpen, I was pretty nuts. But I, I mean, the whole time I thought I'd be nervous, but I wasn't really nervous at all. And that's just kind of the way I am. Kind of like, you know, cool and collected. I don't really let, let things bother me. No, because it's the same game I've always played, you know, my whole life. Just more lights, more people, bigger stage. But after I got the first guy, I was like, yeah, this is pretty easy. First guy grounded out. I think the second guy also grounded out or something like that. I was like, it's the same thing I've been doing all year, right? <laughs> and then uh, I remember I faced Puig. I think I had him 1-2 or something like that. I, or it was 1-1. One, one. I got him swinging at like a slider. He was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I threw another one that – didn't slide as much and cut like the, it was like probably this far it was like the, this far like off the play away from him he like reaches over smacks like a line driver and the shortstop's head like 110 i'm like okay this guy is insane <laughs> i guess i was like welcome to the big leagues but um but yeah it was pretty exciting i got to face the indians a lot that year and they're a really good lineup so i, I like the challenge so it was, it was fun Support the home team and shop the Colonel's official team store, the Bim Ritter Diamond Shop. Get all of your authentic Colonel's apparel, including caps, t-shirts, novelties, and more. There's no better place than the Colonel's to entertain clients, be social with co-workers, or just party at the park. Visit colonels.com to learn about all of the ways groups party with the Colonel's. Everybody, everybody, everybody knows when you're at the the good times roll. Hey, hey, Colonels, let the good times roll. Cedar Rapids Colonels, let the good times roll. We've talked a lot about kind of baseball sound, primarily coming from fans, but you also have probably the best entrance music I've ever heard from a pitcher, just because I love country roads. <laughs> How did that become your music as a pitcher? Um, well, I went to college in middle of West Virginia, so we heard country roads a lot. Um, my wife, she grew up in West Virginia, so her whole family is all, you know, West Virginia University stuff. And, like, after we, in college, we would go to uh, West Virginia football. We had to work the games to fundraise money for the team. And after every single win they had, uh, the, whole, the whole entire crowd, everybody would link arms, the whole team would link arms, and then we'd this thing country roads and stuff like that. So that was just really cool. I guess once I got the opportunity to pick a warm-up song, I was like, you know what, let's just do country roads. So, and I, I like it because, you know, no matter where you are in the world, you can play that song and people know it. So I think it's a good song to kind of get the crowd going. You know, everybody starts singing along. I sing along to myself on the mound. And like I said before, I don't, I don't need like the, the scream of music to get me fired up. I just need something that's kind of cool and gets, gets everybody involved. I don't think I've ever met anybody that hates that song. So. Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that song, that song's been your first and only. You haven't had anything other than Country Roads in your career then, right? 
Um, I don't think I have. No, not in pro ball. I, th- I can't remember what I had. I think I had that in indie ball too. But we didn't. Re- we didn't really have warm up songs in college. But if we did, I don't know what I would have chosen. So ever since I've had the opportunity, I've made a country roads, and I guess now I can officially say that I'm from West Virginia now. So or I live in West Virginia now. So it's got more of a backstory. I don't have to explain myself. So naturally, the music for you, like for anybody that plays a baseball, that's a big part of your personality. But I'd also argue that the facial hair is up there. <laughs> you know, as we're talking now, you got kind of the full beard thing going, kind of like what you had in Cedar Rapids. But you were rocking that kind of the horseshoe, the biker stash this past season. You know, where did that come from? Well, in Fort Myers, like normally I kind of just grow, grow my beard out for a while and then I'll shave it. And whenever I do, I always do something fun, like funky, like shave down the middle or something like that take a picture of it and send it to my wife and see what her reaction is so we were in high a and i think my first four starts i hadn't gave up a run at all so my beard is growing out and then my last start i gave up one run i was like yeah it's time to trim the beard up a little bit and i like having it kind of shorter just because once it gets long it gets like i don't know yeah besides the point but um i shaved into a must like the long mustache basically like this whole thing right here just extended Kind of like Hulk Hogan, I guess you could say. <laughs> and my roommate, Alex Phillips, came in and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I said to my wife and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to keep it for a day and see what happens. Um, so the next day we go to the field and I ended up getting promoted to double A. And I was like, well, I guess I got to keep it now. So <laughs> I, I kept it all year. And I mean, good things kept happening for me. And once I got called to the big, oh, we we're actually getting married too, but that was, that's another story. I'm sure we'll get to that one in a little bit, but uh, oh, sure. I kept with it. You know, I'm not really superstitious, but I mean, it looked good. People liked it. I don't, I don't know if it looked good, but people liked it and it was kind of unique. I just kept rocking it and it got longer and thicker and I ended up getting caught up and I was like, I guess I got to keep it now though. But I don't know. That's how it started. I gave a run. I shaved it and that next day I got called up. So I guess I had to keep it. <laughs> and now it's, now like it's my, and now it's my life. Yeah, it's a, a bit like, again, a big part of your personality. And, and you had that for the wedding, which happened in late September of that year. What, what's the story behind the wedding and, of course, how it fit into what you wouldn't have been expecting at the planning stage, still working through a major league season at the time? Yeah, well, so when we planned the wedding, I was still playing. I think I think I was still playing indie ball or maybe I was in E-Town at the time. And we had looked forward. Obviously, we were trying to save money, so we planned it like two years later. Um, and I looked as far as AAA to see when the season ended. And I was like, oh, okay, the season ends like the first week of September, you know, playoffs, maybe two weeks. So if we go the furthest out AAA wise, we'll still have like a week before the wedding. Right. So we planned all this and then stuff started happening. And then when I had the mustache, she's like, you're going to shave that for the wedding. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm going to grow up my beard and I'll shave it for the wedding, obviously. But then, you know, crazy things started happening and happening and happening. And then sure enough, Time comes around and she's like, we had, oh, I actually asked her grandma, I was like, do I shave or do I keep the mustache? She goes, oh, you have to keep the mustache. And then, her, and then my wife agrees. So it's like, grandma says I have to keep it. I have to keep it, right? So <laughs> I ended up getting married the last series of the season. Uh, we were in, I think the team flew to Kansas City and I flew home to get married after I asked Rocco about a week before. I was like, we're in a line and we we're at the food line and uh, after a game in, in I think it was in uh, Cleveland and it was me and him. I was like, Hey, have you heard about the wedding? He goes, yeah, I have heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, talk to me tomorrow about that. I was like, okay. <laughs> so sure enough, they let me go home, but um, it kind of worked out perfectly because 
we were in Detroit and I ended up pitching the day that we clinched. And then the next day we had a day game and then they flew to Kansas city. So I actually wouldn't even been available for those next four games anyway. So everything kind of worked out perfectly. And I went full home. I had a mustache for my wedding and then got married. And two days later, I flew back to Minneapolis to get ready for the postseason. And then obviously you and Ariel, we continue to wish you all the best in the union that you have together, but you were also partners, not just in marriage, but you were a big part of that t-shirt that came out last year that kind of had your likeness with the outline of the glasses and the biker stash in the last year, you know, whose idea was the t-shirt and why was St. Jude going to be the beneficiary of the proceeds from those t-shirt sales? Um, my wife has always been passionate about St. Jude's, um, growing up, she had a, she had a friend of hers that unfortunately passed away to cancer. So she's always been really kind of tied to St. Jude. She's always, her dream job was to like be a pediatric nurse at St. Jude. Um, she went to school for nursing, but ultimately didn't end up getting that degree. So she's always been really passionate about that. Um, and a company called Great Lakes Back Company, who's, um, up in Michigan as well. They DM me a, you know, a prototype of my face on a t-shirt. I was like, Okay, that's kind of cool. And then they sent me a few of them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start making these. And then the whole St. Jude thing, we decided that was after um, we had our, what is it called? Our, our wedding registry uh, kind of went viral during a game I was pitching. They, they were talking about on the, the uh, radio or the TV or the broadcast or whatever. And after the game, you know, some media was asking about that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying because, you know, I was pitching. And then my wife texted me. She was like, people were starting to order all kinds of random things off of our writing registry. I was like, that's kind of cool. But then she, she gave me the idea that, you know, maybe we can spin it instead of people donating stuff to us, we can have them donate money towards St. Jude. So I ended up getting that out there for the media to report and stuff like that. And we ended up raising over $25,000. That the $25,000 was from the t-shirt that we ended up raising hundred percent of the proceeds from that t-shirt that we sold for about, I think it was about a month or two. 100% of the proceeds went to that. And that ended up being about 25 grand. The wedding registry ended up raising, I think about, I think it was five or six grand. So in, in total, we raised over 30 grand for St. Jude just because of a t-shirt and our wedding registry. So that was pretty special for us. And we still, we still kind of talk about it to this day, you know, how, how much, how nice it is for us to you know, be in a position to give back to those kids and give back to the community and just kind of have the platform that I have to kind of, you know, give back. Yeah, that's awesome. Is, is there still opportunities for people to buy those t-shirts? And if not, are they going to be coming back at some point? Um, I do not believe they are available right now. I mean, they might be on some like third-party website, but we don't really recommend buying from that because the proceeds don't go to St. Jude. But I, I, I don't really know for sure what's going to happen yet, but I'm sure we'll bring it back at some point um, during the season next year or something. We like, to, we like to bring it back for like a short period of time. So it's like, kind of creates everybody that was like, if they want to share, they got to get it now, you know, just helps to raise more money. We've talked so much about your personality, which of course includes your pitching career, country roads, entrance music, your facial hair and going into the t-shirt with that. So of course that leaves one thing left, Uber driving. How'd you get involved (laughs) with Uber? Uh, My first off season in 2017, I was working, I worked at a tax place for like a month. And I was like, this is miserable sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. I was like, this ain't it. You know, I'd sit there, I'd go out, um, work out afterwards and go home. I was like, I don't want to be sitting down all day, like having, having to sit down. So I started doing a little bit of, I signed up for Uber and Lyft afterwards. I would do that after I worked. And my favorite thing about, about it was I can do my own hours. Um, if, I, if I want to drive, I can go drive. If I don't want to, I don't have to. 
but my main priority was to, you know, get my baseball stuff done so I can do all that in the morning, something like that, you know, go throw, run, lift and do all that stuff. And then after I'm done with that, I can go drive. If I want to, or if I don't want to drive, I don't want to drive. So the flexibility in that was my main reason for doing that. Just so I had the ability to go do, you know, focus on my first job, which is throwing a baseball. So I got into that and I guess I had it in my Twitter bio as a joke, you know, 4.99 out of five, which is true. It is true. I had it in my bio and it was, that was the rating. I guess once I got called up, some reporters saw that and they decided to make that a headline and now that's part of my life, <laughs> but it's fun. It's all fun. You still doing any driving these days or is that part of your life behind you now? That's in the life behind me. I actually did. I did it in 2019 in spring training. I would, I would go down to Florida and I had, I had to transfer my, I guess, residency or something like that to the state of Florida rather than uh, Pittsburgh. And after workouts in the morning, uh, we'd be done by like 11 o'clock or noon some days. And I like, I'm like, I don't want to be sitting in my, sitting in my room all day. So I would do that from, you know, one to like six, come home, eat dinner and do it to like seven to like nine or 10. And then the weekends I'd do it a little longer just to make money. You know, minor leaguers don't make a lot of money. So you got to do what you got to do to stay alive and get by. You know, and it's not a bad side hustle, especially like you're talking about. You can make your own hours and certainly yeah. I'm sure there's teammates that would appreciate someone that would have the driving skills. Like if you were driving a teammate to or from anything spring training, they get the, the full Uber rate or they get a teammate discount. I had a lot of guys that would, you know, if they were going wherever they're going out to eat or something like that or going to the bar, they'd text me and I'd be like, all right, I'll be like, if I was already out driving, some of them would also text me to pick up food and stuff like that. So I'd go pick up food and bring it back. And I wouldn't really tell them what to pay me. I would just kind of hope that they would give me, you know, at least whatever the cover, the cost would have been. But most of the time I didn't, I didn't do it through the app just because it's kind of harder. I don't want them to like, you know, put it in the Uber and then get, get some, someone else driving them. You know, I want to make sure like I can take care of them. But yeah, I had a lot of guys that would text me and, ask for rides or ask me to pick up food for him. And I go ahead and do that. And they tip me accordingly. <laughs> You're a good man, Randy Dobnak. Thanks so much for joining us on all ears, the official podcast of the Cedar Rapids Colonels and good luck to you and the twins. And what we hope will be a, as close to normal as possible, 2021 season. Thanks Chris. Thanks for having me. There has never been a better time than now to become a season ticket holder. Due to the capacity restrictions, we anticipate our most popular games will sell out. Being a season ticket holder guarantees you tickets to the biggest games and our most popular theme nights and giveaways. The Colonels will allow fans back to the ballpark for Colonels games this season. The Colonels will continue to require face coverings and practice social distancing. Get your season tickets today. This has been All Ears, the official podcast of the Cedar Rapids Colonels. This podcast was created by the Cedar Rapids Colonels and edited by Metro Studios. Logo created by Brandon Vacco and the Cedar Rapids Colonels. I'm your host, Chris Klonon Schultz. Thank you for listening. Everybody, everybody, everybody knows when you're at the-